You're listening to the Voice of Dog. This is Rob McWolf, your fellow traveler, and today's story is The Tower by Danny Wolf, an aspiring writer who spends a little bit more time planning out stories than actually writing them. But he plans on changing that with an extensive novel franchise titled Avalon. For now, you can check out this short story and many others, available in the near future on his SoFurry page. Planned updates to the tower include three more chapters, so be on the lookout for those if you enjoy what you hear. Please enjoy The Tower by Danny Wolf. He longed, yearned to learn the secrets of the sun and moon as the frigid winds nipped at his snout. The sharp spices of autumn filled his lungs as the boy took a deep breath as the sun's final drops of gold quickly faded over the snow-capped peaks of the reaper's horns. Warmth quickly faded as the sky darkened, leaving only the milky heavens above. Hundreds of campfires shone brighter and brighter behind the clouds. It wasn't long until the moon made her dance across the sky, moonlight soaking into every surface it caressed. It was a ballad he knew all too well. He'd seen it hundreds of times. However, he dreaded the ending every time. Another day went, cold and alone, abandoned. Then came the longing again. The same cycle, over and over again. The young boy quickly shut his eyes as hard as possible and prayed. Prayed with every fiber of his fluffy little body. Prayed with as much might as the gods had blessed him with. The Samoyed boy fell on both knees and placed his paws on the narrow arrow slit. A glimmer of moon ray fixed itself on top of the young Samoyed's shaggy white head. One day, the boy whispered to himself. The young lad dreamt of freedom. He wanted nothing more than the sweet ability to see beyond the crack in the frozen wall. He was lucky his pelt was thick enough to repel the forces of nature that came out during the night. The winds of winter whipped the tower's stone walls, which gradually turned the stone to ice. He would even at times see frost collect around the air slit's opening on waking at the break of dawn. If he slept, that is. The gusts would also flood through the slit, causing it to roar if it lashed it at just the right angle. Once that began, the boy would succumb to the notion of being kept up throughout the even fall. So he would sit in the same corner, peering at the hole in the wall on the opposite side of the room and wait until the sun made its ascension. Then the longing began again. The sun called for it. She was his companion, the only being that would greet him warm him, bathe him in a glorious gleam. Her rays burned so brightly on his fur, he would almost appear pure. She washed him of his decay. But as she made her way across the sky, the boy aspired to follow her, travel the land with her, accompany her along wherever she graced the country. It didn't matter to him. He only wanted to be in her elegance, which is why he hated the twilight her grace would selfishly drink up the everlasting god rays, and her sister blanketed his world in darkness. A malevolent force he could not understand. Though that wouldn't stop him from feeling sympathy for her as well. He sometimes wondered if the moon was freezing as well. Maybe they both shared the same longing for the sun again. Only to realize that they both will never be able to join her in her grace. So he would do what any child would do. He wept. He wept for the sun to return. He wept for the sky to return. 
he wept for the pale moon, forever ripped from her sister, cold and alone, abandoned. But this night would be different. He continued his prayer. Blessed be the wanderer. Hear me, O messenger, navigator god of season land, of luck and of fortune. Every raven I find you, every silver I seek, and every path I follow. I am but a passenger, and you are my guide. I devote myself to your light and guidance. The boy quickly kissed his paw. Help me to shine the path I must take to discover the secrets of this world. I wish to know the tales the sun and her twin have gathered upon these lands. Then he brought his paw up to his chest, brought it down four times, before finally opening his eyes and meeting the stars above. The gusts picked up, the howling of the wind sent shivers through his body, roaring into his ears. His eyes lit up as a smile broke upon his face. When he opened his eyes, he had noticed something different. Something had shot across the sky. Maybe he imagined it. Then another. A blue streak of light splattered over the night sky in the blink of an eye. His heart raced to his throat, and his face turned red. A sign. I thank you, Father Above, he managed to muster as he closed his prayer. It wasn't long until the sound of distant galloping hooves came drumming up the hill. Anxiously, he watched as three men on horses arrived at the base of the watchtower. A guard, holding a radiant lantern, crept out of the entrance to greet them. These men were different. They donned dark, heavy-plated armor, carried a banner with a nine-pointed star, parts silver, parts blue on a silver and blue field. A nine-pointed star, the symbol was donned on every piece of clothing, every piece of leather and steel the guards would wear. The boy knew what it meant was a symbol of the faith. Nine points to represent their nine gods. He'd never seen a star embroidered with such beauty before. It made him wonder why these men were here. They were distant, but the boy could still hear their bickering. Start your business, ordered the sallow grey wolf in a mulberry leather garment that wielded the lantern, his palm fastened on the pommel of his sword. How oh, easy there now. Don't want to light yourself ablaze, mate, a large grizzly chuckled aloud. We are here under orders of Lord Lachaios to transport the prisoner to the city of Shersbus safely. The wolf paused. We have received no raven informing us of this sudden command. Lord Lachaios was vastly fervent in keeping the beast here, I don't suppose. Lord Lachaios is far too occupied crushing the rebel forces in the east, the brown bear quickly interjected. Sent us as soon as he learned that a separatist faction laid siege upon the lands upon the Larintha River. They were last seen marching their way here, so Allard wasted no time in handing us the task of evacuating the tower before the enemy arrived. A raven would not have had enough time to arrive without flying around the river to avoid enemy arrows, assured the grizzly, while he relaxed his giant arms and rested his paws in his lap. Lead still in hand. Another pause. Boy hadn't a clue who these strange men could be. He'd never seen anyone like them before. He didn't wear the same colors as the guards he had grown accustomed to seeing. Yeah, Banna, that's House Muddox's sigil. The canine snickered. Got a tavern of the finest ale. That's when the canines turn grew sharp. I've broken bread with the Muddox, and I would remember there being a grizzly bear within their ranks. He barked, drawing his sword. You dare have the affrontery to tell this lie to my face?
the grizzly smirked. Well, today the gods have smiled upon you, for they have granted you the ability to break bread with them again. A quick flash whipped across the young boy's vision, and the wolf was down, clenching his throat. The boy watched in horror as the thin man choked on his blood, seeing the dagger embedded in his neck, illuminating from the fire that quickly engulfed the patch of dried weeds and twigs. Flames licked the guardsman's face, seemingly catching eyes with the child as his mouth widened and blood oozed down his muscle. The screeching of blades bellowed as one of the Ursine's two other men fell from his horse, clutching his shoulder with an arrow freshly puncturing the flesh. Another guard, a ram, burst from the molded doors of the tower, sword raised and crying his battle cry. The mountain of a bear drew his longsword and quickly parried a strike from the guard, continuing the momentum and driving the blade into the ram's breast, the red-stained edge surfacing through the other side. The third man on horseback sent an arrow right into the loophole, killing the archer behind it before he could discharge another arrow. It was all over in less than a minute. The grizzly sheathed his sword and looked back to his other men. You all right? he asked the one injured rat. The black rat gritted his teeth before answering. Cannot think of a day where I ever felt better, he replied sarcastically. The bear slapped his gut and uttered a belly laugh. Hi, that's the spirit, he guffawed. The large man then hopped off his mount and stepped toward the wolf that lay lifeless on the ground, avoiding the fire that was already enveloping his clothes. Reached down and retrieved his dagger, seemingly unfazed by the smoldering heat. Unlucky cunt, he flouted. He then locked eyes with the boy. The boy's heart stopped for a second. He froze, not knowing what he'd witnessed. Was this real? Was he dreaming? He had to be. There was no other explanation for this. He's asleep, in a nightmare that has to end soon. But why won't it end? Why can't he wake from this hallucination? The worst part of it all was the fact that the boy was watching another version of himself outside, standing still in the field, seemingly unnoticed by the other men despite their proximity. Lawston thought he didn't notice the burly bear shouting something at him. His fur turned a bright marigold from the flames, but the child stayed silent. The Bruin then began to walk towards the open entrance of the monument. This had to be a dream. The boy mindlessly watched the other version of himself standing over the wolf's corpse, fixated on the crimson soaking in the dirt, mingling with the flies that plagued the body. The man who taught him how to respect the gods taught him how to pray to the Nine, directed the justice of the father upon his flesh at the end of a mace, to beg for mercy from the mother. A step. Through the power of the wise, he was able to speak his first words, to formulate sentences and repeat those that were spat onto him, a gift and a curse for after he had spoken, the men surrounding him grew more fearful. Another step. The conqueror batched your kind, boy. The words of the second guardsman who'd been murdered echoed through his skull. He never knew what the man had meant by that, no matter how many times the enraged man bludgeoned it into him. A third. But now they lay breathless on the ground. The only men the boy grew with, they were the closest thing to a family he had, his kind. Was this man the conqueror? The ram had previously disclosed to him. A fourth, louder this time. Rotting on the ground, no longer in this world, leaving him behind, cold and alone, abandoned. The fifth footstep pounded against his ears. 
Tears began to collect under his black and blue eyes. He did this. He's the cause for this. The blaze grew wider, consuming the ground and air, sending embers to circulate the winds, setting the night into an inferno. Soon his double was encompassed by the heat and flame. Observing the boy up on the tower, white charring and evaporating into nothing, revealing the scorched flesh underneath. The next clashing step. The mace, the blistering canine gravely whispered. Another. The mace. The raging fire disappeared, and so did the double. The boy pushed himself away from the wall and desperately looked around, looking for a place to hide. But there was nothing. The chamber was littered with stray hay and dried mud. Corruption plagued the chamber walls, making the stench of decay always present. But he couldn't defend himself with just a putrid stink. He had to think fast. Splinters and dust sprayed across the air as the bear began to break the door down. This was it. He watched in terror as the wood caved in and broke apart. He's too late. There's nothing else he could do. Another blast pounded against his skull, then another. Pulsing along with the beats of the door, the young Samoyed was certain that his head was about to burst before the door was. The door gave in, shattered and flung open, slamming against the wall. The bear poked his head in, caught sight of a defeated child, naked and shivering immensely. The boy just watched him, wailing at the sight of him. When he got closer, the boy flinched, and his cries suddenly stopped. He was even more petrified when he noticed the mace in his paw. The sinewy man kneeled, placing the mace on the dusty ground. You know, when they said a beast resided here, I figured that it would be much bigger. He tried to ease the tension in the air. My name is Arthrington Rolfe. What's yours, little one? The boy didn't know how to process that. Petrified to speak, he kept quiet, hugging himself for comfort and give himself some level of protection. Do you not have a name? The large bear inquired. The child just stared at him, sniffing. Dirt covered his face and his fur. You're a Samoyed, aren't you? Arthur! The sudden boom of a male voice made the boy jump in fear. The fire's beginning to catch the tower's vines. We need to get a move on. The ursine studied the child carefully before replying. I shut your trap. I'm already on it. Without breaking eye contact with the boy. Your parents ever blessed you with a name, boy? The child shook his head at him. The Trubert frowned upon. Would you like one? Brown Bear queried. Every limb was screaming at the boy to run, make a break for the door, down the stairs, make it out alive. Studying the bear, he was enormous, far more colossal than any man he'd ever seen. His broad shoulders blocked the only means of escape from the chamber. He donned a blue cloak and mud-stained white pants. Umber fur brimmed from his waist belt and along his neck. The bandaged paw he had in front of him was about as big as the boy's torso. This was the first time anyone had ever asked the boy a question, a serious question. He was half expecting a blow to the face after the inquiry, but none was delivered. The boy reached out his paw, placed it carefully on Arthrington's, to which it was minuscule in comparison. The Ursan smiled and gently closed his grip on the small boy's paw, and the icy feeling of the boy's paw pad made him shiver. How the thin boy survived this long was a mystery. You know, this place was built in a large clay settlement. 
I used to come here as a boy just like you with my brothers. We'd all play along with the earth. Atherton held out his other paw in front of him, which the boy cautiously took. Slowly getting the boy up on his legs, the bear continued. How's about Clayton? You like the sound of that, boy? The child stared sullenly at him, teary-eyed. His legs trembled under their own weight, so the bear leaned in forward and wrapped his arms around the small boy. Dismayed by how gaunt the child was, fragile enough to shatter upon one accidental bump. For the first time in his life, the boy felt warmth, not from the contact of his skin, but from within, surrounded by it, an embrace that broke the many years of chilled iron and stone. His fur was the softest thing he'd ever touched. He hugged the big bear back instinctively, never wanting to let go, burying his face into Atherington's chest tuft, poking out through his blue tunic. Atherington chuckled. Clayton Ralph it is. The bear rose and carried Clayton out of the chamber, mace in hand. Not even the winter frost could bite through Arthurton's warm hug as they made their way out of the tower. The flames had slowly crept their way up towards the roof, setting the roots and vines ablaze along the walls, illuminating the surrounding land, kissing the ground as its light thrashed sporadically to the strong gusts. Arthurton saddled up on his stallion with the others, Clayton couldn't hear what was said. He was already drifting. The radiant night sky blurred as the smoke and light smothered out the stars. Finally, after many years, he can rest. This was The Tower by Danny Wolf. Read for you by Rob McWolf, Werewolf Hitchhiker. You can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.